When your son's first car craps the bed and you need a reliable do-over first car, Rorik Honda comes to the rescue. I experienced firsthand the elite customer service, a detailed and sanitized Civic with the Rorik Advantage, and voila, a happy 17-year-old. And this is a typical story at Rorik Honda. Whether it's a do or used, leased or payment planned option, there is something for everyone. As always, visit Rorik.com for all of your, every one of them, all of your vehicle needs. Now... Yeah. Let's start the uh, Jagoff podcast, which is pretty cool because we're in the green, but we're still at my house. <laughs> According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word Jagoff is defined as a noun, which means a stupid, irritating, or. Here's how Pittsburghers define a word Jagoff when someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jagoff! Or someone scares the out of you. Yeah, Jagoff! Or it's a term of endearment. How you been, Jagoff? This is Mark Madden. Hi, this is Larry Richards. This is Ken Bill. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer. Hey, it's Rick Seaback. Hi, this is Greg Brown. Hi, I'm Tyler Kennedy. This is Antonio Holmes. And this is the Jagoff Podcast. So this is the Jagoff Podcast, and if you're listening to it for the first time, we want to make sure you, one, subscribe to it on radio.com, please. Two, go to Apple iTunes and give a nice comment. Tell them that you like it, whatever that kind of thing is. And then the third thing is, if you want to be on the Jagoff Podcast while we're in pandemic phone-in mode, uh, write us. You can write Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, at Jagoff. Dot com and tell her you want to be on the podcast. Or if you know somebody with a cool job, like today, because we have some pretty cool jobs actually on today's Yeah, podcast. and before we get into who we had, can we talk about what we had on the blog? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we cannot, because we also have to talk about our question of the day. So you typically have your eye on what's going on with drivers, but you also have this fixation for donuts. <laughs> and what should and shouldn't be in a donut. Right. It was donut day. And I just don't dig, listen, I like jelly and I like peanut butter, but I don't like them together. Yeah. I like jelly and I like donuts and jelly should not be a part of donuts. Okay. All right. And then John, do you happen to remember what the toast whisker was? Yes, because <laughs> this happens at my house. People burn their toast and then they want to butter it and then they scrape butter on the toast what? and then the, then the, the, the black burnt stuff gets on the butter and it looks like the butter has a five whiskers. Shadow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. And then we had your MLB, you know, when <laughs> you were a little annoyed that there's a four game series, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, by the time these, the owners and the baseball players get together, we're going to have about a four game season. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, is that we're, how are we going to get nachos if they don't have baseball? You're not, because you're just not. nasty tasting nachos only they don't taste cut fantastic it. when mm -hmm. you're at the stadium. So true with the Guinness. And then we talked about the Grubhub flub, which basically all these restaurants are complaining about what Grubhub is doing. And they're like, hell no, we won't go. Like they're just, <laughs> they're like right. the booger you can't flick and they, they, they can't get rid of them. <laughs> anyway. And so we posted again our question of the day for all of our guests for, for the podcast. And it was basically. You know, it is summertime, but even though despite the COVID-19 summertime, what still screams summer, right? Because we know some of the festivals can't happen, that kind of thing. We got some really cool comments. What I love is the arts festival was still up there, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it's virtual because it's still the arts festival and kudos to those guys for continuing that tradition. And then some people, of course, say Kennywood's p potato patch fries, and we know that Kennywood's going to be opening. So that's something that we can still enjoy. And... 
It's funny that uh, some people wrote that, you know, this summer the Pirates are already eliminated from the playoffs, <laughs> which we actually don't know that yet. But they're, the one good news is that they have not lost a game yet this they summer. They have not. They yeah. have not. All right. And so we are certainly winning today with our guests because we're calling this one the producers or the production episode, right? Because we get, we get to talk to people who are still producing things, right? In some capacity or at least figuring out how to. So first and foremost, we have Don Keezer who we love having on the podcast. Can't wait to talk to her about the film office and what's going on in the film industry. And she's still doing all this backward work. In the meantime, you have this young female entrepreneur in Washington County who quit her job to go back to start running her 50-year-old family dairy business. And we're going to learn all about cows and milk. Milking cows. Doesn't get any better than that. And then finally, we get to bring on my friend, Sean Pierce from Pierce Events. He has a brother and a sister, and the three of them have, for for like 10 years or more, been doing all of these amazing festivals, not just here in Western Pennsylvania, but across the United States. On top of that, we always have a musical guest. But this is a special week because our friends at Whelming Waters dropped their LP, their new LP. Yeah, And you know, week. Colin was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we thought, we want to feature one more song and promote them. So as a Pittsburgher, as a Pittsburgher who doesn't live in Pittsburgh anymore, make sure you go download the Welbing Waters LP. Their harmony is fantastic, and you're going to love this So I usually credit myself because I have this like extender on my arm to pat myself on the back on these great guests I get. But I have to say, you really, you have a gold mine this time. Rach, this you said, is, you read yeah. the PG. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so this is an amazing story because who would have thought that, first of all, I mean, you buy milk, you don't, you're going to kind of think where it comes from. You know, it comes from cows. You don't know the difference between the different kinds of cows. You know, you eat steak, whatever. And then on top of that, we love Millie's ice cream. Mm-hmm. And so it this, all connected for you. Yes. And the PG, Bob Batts wrote an article about our next guest and her family. And we're like, Millie's ice cream at the end of this story so get her on <laughs> but there's right so now. much more to it so welcome randy <laughs> yeah hi thank you thanks for having me absolutely and so the name of your place is twin brook dairy and so you are in washington county as our <laughs> pittsburghers would say and That's i guess as the story correct. goes you're basically a pittsburgher who left and came back i mean tell us what is that magnet about pittsburgh and surrounding areas that always draws us back in um for me, I don't, I don't know what it was besides that I was really, really unhappy in my career and the path that I had taken, and I needed a place to land. And so Pittsburgh is home. So that's, that's right. where it was safe for me to come back and kind of take some time to figure out what I wanted to do next. I was in my mid-20s. Um, and so, yeah, I came back, and I've been here since. And this is your family-owned business, correct? Correct. My dad has been farming since he got out of college and before that. He was born on the farm, basically. Went to college, came back, and has been farming ever since then. Um, And then two years ago, we decided to, which is kind of where the story and the the Post-Gazette started, um, just decided to try something new in an effort to keep the farm going because if we don't, it would, it'll go out of business. It's not sustainable the way it is now. So, um, 
Yeah, I had been working with, you kind of said this before, but um, working in the food industry and local food and with farmers. And I met Chad Townsend from mm-hmm. Ridley's, who's, he's, um, you know, very supportive of the farm community here. Um, and uh, yeah, I just thought maybe there's an opportunity there and flash forward two years and here we are. <laughs> I love the fact that your job sucks so much that you decided to get into farming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this. I mean, obvious question though. So you, you know, you said that was your father's profession. So you grew up on a farm as well, correct? You grew up yeah. there. Yeah. So you knew it. Yeah. That was kind of your, I could go back to this because it's what I know, right? Yes. It was kind of this thing that I grew up with. I loved it. I didn't really know I loved it because it was the only thing that I knew, you know? Sure. Yeah. And, and so I went away because I always thought, well, my dad seems kind of unhappy. He doesn't make a lot of money. Farmers aren't really ever in it for the money. Sure. Right. Um, and so I went to Penn State and got a degree. And, you know, I thought I'm going to corporate America. It seems to be, you know, like chasing the money. Sure. Um, but I would be sitting in my office cubicle and freezing in the air conditioning and like daydreaming at the the men who were doing cutting the lawn or like the geese on the pond thinking, <laughs> God, they're so lucky out there. <laughs> I love and, it. Um, yeah. And so I didn't, you know, I was young and I didn't really know what I wanted and I, I still don't think I know, but I thought, well, I'm going, I know that I love farms. How, how can I make that work? Sure. And um, so I just quit my job and, and started going towards or leaning towards things that I enjoyed. And realized and just like submitted to the fact that I love cows and farming and agriculture. So I just started going for that. And I worked um, in, it's called Penn's Corner. It mm-hmm. used to be pet called Penn's Corner. I think it still is. Um, and yeah, and that's how I got kind of on the path that I am now. And then our farm was faced with a really harsh reality. And I just kind of stepped up and thought, I'm going to commit to this and just, and, and try and give it, give it a whirl. So I love that. It's the whole grass is always greener kind of story. And, and, you know, you bring up such a good point, Randy, because haven't we all had a story like that, right? You leave what you're, what you know, your comfort zone, because you think you want something else until you're in the situation. And then you go, wait a minute, I was made for this, you know? And so not only did you come back to where you belong, but you're taking it to a new level. So we want you to kind of educate us. What exactly your, your milk is not pasteurized. What does that mean? Like if you're explaining to someone what you're doing and how you do it, what is that process? Yeah. Okay. It is pasteurized. I mean, you can sell raw milk in Pittsburgh or in Pennsylvania, but we're not doing that yet. Okay. Potentially in the future. Okay. It just takes a little more, um, we'd have to set up better systems, different systems on our farm to do that. Okay. So what's different about ours is that we don't homogenize. Ah. And all the milk usually that you see on the shelf somewhere has been homogenized. That means that they basically blast the fat particles so that they blend in with the rest of the milk. Our cows are are really great cows. They produce really high-quality milk. And so what you're doing from the beginning with pasteurizing is you're kind of changing the milk a little bit. And then when you homogenize, you're changing it even further. And, you know, that's like processing. That's adding extra steps to the process to this really original. I mean, it's an original form. It's really delicious. And it's 
not the same as, you know, whenever you add these other steps to it. So I wanted to maintain that. Um, and some people say that they that works better for their their stomach for di- their digestion. I've read that. Yes. Um, and and people have given me that feedback. You know, I don't know that I would you know say this is the cure for your your right. you know your milk issues, but yeah, that's what I wanted to to maintain the integrity the best that I could. And there's a learning curve. Like most people don't know that. I had to research a lot of that and I grew up on a dairy farm and I uh, didn't know that. Right. Sure. But, but it really does taste so much better. And, you know, it's, it's really a unique, interesting thing. And uh, I think it's better for people as well. So now you sort of uh, broached the next topic in that. So we now we just learned the difference between homogenized and pasteurized. Yeah, so take us I got my next, eyes drawn. Right, yeah. <laughs> next step is in the article that Bob Batts wrote. We talk about three different kinds of cows. So mm-hmm. what what's the difference between them? Do you mix the milk from each of them? Guernsey, yeah. Jersey, and Holstein, right? Right. Yeah, Holsteins are the black and white ones that that are most most often represent dairy you see that everywhere they you know without getting into the nitty-gritty details they produce a lot of milk um and so it was the way the dairy industry went that's what you want and or if you make money on milk you want cows to make a lot of it sure um we have those. We also have jerseys, which are, and each, each breed has their own type of characteristics and their own qualities and the, the milk that they make. So Holsteins aren't typically known for having a lot of fat in their milk, but of the other two breeds, jerseys and Guernseys are known for that. They have uh, a high butter fat content and where there's butter fat and fat, there's more fat soluble vitamins, there's more flavor. Um, and so our cows are unique and Guernseys are, are, there's a very limited number of them in the United States. Um, and we started with those in 1952 and they're just like giant puppy dogs. They're docile. They're, you know, you can't, oh, who's that? Ha! Huh, that's Tanner the dog. <laughs> He's the podcast dog. <laughs> Is she into cows? I feel like she was really vibing on I love it. I think he was listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's so interesting. Like, I, yeah. I, I love hearing because to us, you know, it's just like, okay, you drink milk and you get this percent and you're done. And so you're right. kind of explaining the whole what goes into it. And I never gave it another thought on dairy being different, right? Most people, like you were saying, most people don't know that. And, and that's why ours is is different and why I think it's better and it's more delicious because we have these unique cows that add add flavor based on, you know, the way that they're raised and how we feed them and how we care for them. Is there a proprietary mix as far as one-third of Holstein, one-third of, you know, whatever? Is that what gets you or to... Or do you mix? Yeah. We do mix, yes. Okay. Okay. All, all three go into the... Uh, uh, all three breeds go into one big bulk tank at this point we had we used to have more holsteins um but we're kind of phasing them out to move towards the um the brown cows the jerseys and the guernseys but we love all of our cows the holsteins um you know we just wanted to move more towards the brown cows because of that flavor because but of the butter fat and it's it's just a higher quality better tasting milk 
Yeah. That's awesome. I love learning these kinds of things. I want to go to like a bar trivia night and hope I get this question. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you do too. Right? (laughs) Like I want someone to be like, do you know the difference between brown cows, black and white cows? I'll be like, yes. One is more for butter. One is a creamier. (laughs) I'm not going to know everything. I might phone a friend. So be ready for that. I love the fact that you're right. I mean, every time I think of ice cream or anything or milk, I think of a black and white a Holstein cow, but yeah. I don't even yeah. think that there's, you know, that's just, yeah, they kind of own the market on it. I guess they had a better PR company than the Jersey <laughs> yeah, cows. Did. I think that's what it comes down to sometimes is they had a, they had a good run. They had good press. There you go. <laughs> they're like, they're like, if we don't decide to make milk, we're going to be steaks. And that means we're <laughs> dead. God so yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. How interesting. So how had, how did the Millie thing really even happen? You're coming back. You're starting to understand that it's a healthier process. You know the process, and now you meet him, and here you are in 2020 making a difference with Millie's ice cream. Yeah, Chad has been instrumental, and his wife, Lauren, they're really supportive. They're they're wonderful people. So what what happened was Chad, I emailed Chad, and I was I said, you know, we have this really great milk. Are you interested? And he just replied and said, yes, I want all of it. When can I come to the farm? Wow. And I was like, great. <laughs> but in reality, he couldn't use all of it. Not yet. I mean, as his business grows, he yeah. potentially will be able to. Um, so then it just ended up, you know, as we talked about it, and how do we make this happen? And do I really want to do it? And I really did. And so... The next step was, okay, I'm going to, Chad's going to use a a portion of it because, you know, he wants the best, you know, ingredients. Um, and our milk is the, I think the best in this area. Um, and so we just started working on it and then solving the problems that came along. For instance, like he needs 400 gallons and we produce 2000 gallons a week. So what do we do with the rest of it? And that's how I ended up bottling it. Um, and, you know, then the the whole virus COVID nineteen happened and things are changing, but you know, we're just going with going with the flow and, and Chad and Lauren have been really supportive. That's basically and he I'm in his production space, so that really helps with the startup costs and being able to <sighs> to make this happen. And so it's it. a win win for everyone. Yeah, you know, it really is. Home, hopefully Chad gets great milk. I'm, you know, ex- exploring this new opportunity. And now you're on the Ajagoff podcast talking about it. It doesn't get any better. Exactly. I mean, I would not have dreamt that this could happen two years ago, but I would be right here. I love it. I love it. I love this story. And honestly, I mean, I'm going to think of this every time we're, we're having Millie's. I mean, and, and just knowing that difference, you know, is so cool. So we can't thank you enough. So we know that you work with your sister. And so, uh, how is that working with, do, do, Old rivalries show up at the milk plant at this point between the two of you. Like, I remember when I was seven and you pushed me, whatever. Any of that going on? <laughs> no. Fortunately, no. That is We're wonderful, nice people, so we don't have all the rivalries. <laughs> you know, we're friends with everyone. That's um, right. Yeah, but it's been great. She's um, younger than me, and her... You know, to my benefit, she she couldn't go back to college, so she was available and looking for for work and really wants to be involved and help out. So I was like, yes, you know, yes, please, I'll take as much help yeah. as you want to to give me. And it's been great, you know, working 
and uh, you know just a new dimension to our relationship which is Aww. which is really cool that's so yeah cute. all right before we ask yeah. you the question of the day that we warned you about before we started recording where does everybody okay. find you so that they can learn more about you know your process or or just oh, sure. knowing you guys Yes, uh, we're on Facebook at Twinbrook Dairy Co. and Instagram at the same Twinbrook Dairy Co. Um, those, and we also have a website, twinbrookdairyco.com. I try to post on Facebook so that people can see our farm and see how we farm and, you know, uh, you know, just kind of what life is like on our farm too. Cause I want to share that. I want to connect with people and interact and, um, bridge that gap that sometimes happens between where our food comes from and who's who's making it you know absolutely and with such a health conscious you know view anymore right from mothers to just consumers in general i think it's even more important and i love the fact that you have a presence so kudos to you Right. And kudos to yeah, you for being you. a young female entrepreneur at this yeah. point. This is so crazy. <laughs> farmer. So crazy. Like, oh my God. So, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. The Here's day. the Thank question you. of the day. So, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> don't be afraid. So, as you mentioned, um, we are in this, you know, post COVID time, but it's officially summer. So, yeah. it's post COVID 19 summer. What still screams summer in Pittsburgh or Washington County for you? What is the epitome of of summertime is it having popsicles on the farm or is there something that you say well we know it's summer because well, i think i have two answers okay i live in i live in pittsburgh okay. in morningside and oh. i also spend a lot of time in washington county at the farm so the epitome of pittsburgh summer in 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 the city is is a bike ride is riding bikes from my house just leaving the backyard and going down to the trail by the river and i don't know if you've ever done that the yep. river the yes. river trail by the stadiums and just just pedaling you know and enjoying the, the heat and the yes i love that my the epitome of summer in washington county is the amazing scenery the green green grass and trees that i miss and long for whenever it's the doldrums of of winter time uh and even just driving like slowly leaving the city and you know there's interstate and then you get on those backcountry roads and the the trees are arching over the the back roads and it feels like you know you're in a different dimension or or something it's it's beautiful i was just daydreaming about that yesterday how how happy i am that the the, the, the sun is back and the, everything is green and blooming. That's yeah, it. Yeah, That's you have it, the best right? of both worlds. Well, that's yeah, awesome, right? city, country, Randy. Yeah. Well, thanks to Bob. Yeah. Credit to Bob Batts for writing the article. Thank you to Randy and yeah. Mark Chizak and Twin Brook Dairy. We want to come to your dairy and do a podcast. I agree, yeah. And dunk cookies in your... I would love to have you at the farm. Taking all those smells and, and all those brown cows. It's really nice. Oh, yeah. podcast like every quarter tell us yeah, what's happening give us exciting our in- dose of movie stuff right, right. Yeah. and then the pandemic hit we're like wait yeah. nothing nothing right so and now we're like a submarine we're like dawn could you could you come back, Don? <laughs> Bobbing out of the water here and there. Don, we are so thrilled that you could take the time to be on with us. How are you? 
Oh, I'm great. And I've got lots of time, much like most everyone else listed. So, <laughs> so I'm happy true. to talk to the two of you today. So true. Well, you're always a pleasure. It's not something we say because trust me, you know, I'm pretty transparent. If I don't love talking to someone, I don't say it. But you have always, always been that interview that we cannot wait for. So we're so glad. Oh, we, that's sweet. Yeah, Thank I'm you. serious. Well, you have so much to say and you're so practical. In fact, we listen to you on, um, since we are part of Endercom, we listen to you on uh, the Bubba show not too long ago. And we were saying like, wow, you know, just hearing some of the stories you were talking about, Jason Momoa, of course, when he was still here. And we basically wanted to know, what is this big change? Did you, like everyone else, go from super high power, you know, all this energy, all this crazy creativity happening in Pittsburgh to the COVID-19? Is that basically where we are? Or how is the film office thriving during this time? Uh, I wouldn't call it thriving. Yeah. The entire the film industry worldwide shut down. Sure. Right? You know, the pandemic killed it internationally. It's the entire world. Nobody was nobody's been filming anything anywhere, which I don't think's ever happened. I mean, maybe back before they actually started making movies, <laughs> it was yeah, that sure. quiet internationally. But the entire industry shut down, so it's been. It's been a challenge. And wow. typically the film office, we always see you guys at our event, yeah. uh, the big Oscar party that like kicks off going into spring where we're always so busy because right. of our lovely weather here in southwestern Pennsylvania. We typically are able to get a lot more work in spring and summer and even fall than we do typically in winter. So we'd be gearing up for a really busy season. Sure. And the Showtime show, American Rust, which is starring Jeff Daniels, was supposed to start filming on March 16th. That's right. Okay. And we, of mm. course, got the stay-at-home order on March 16th. Yeah. So that shut that entire show down, put 500 people out of work, mm. put all the small businesses that rely on our industry, for some are part of their livelihood and their, their bottom line every year. It just shut it all down. Wow. And we've yet to come back. There's hope that we're going to be there after the 4th of July, that we can start opening production offices again and get people back to work. We have a few commercials that are looking to start filming here at the end of the month. They're a little bit smaller, so it's easier to manage trying to do all the correct physically distant, socially distant, wearing the mask, taking the temperatures, doing all the required things to keep everybody safe. Yeah. But um, it's been a real challenge to keep every get it back up and running again. I'm sure. No doubt about it. Now, Don, I'm not patting ourselves on the back by this comment, so hang in there with me, but we sometimes get people, <laughs> they, sometimes people say, you guys have the best job. Like, you get to go do interviews. You get to go this and eat free food and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure people say that about, they, they, but they don't know what all we do in the background, you know? And I'm sure you get that at this point. You know, wow, Don, you get to go to all these glitzy things. They have no idea what you're doing in the background, let alone what you're probably trying to do in the yeah. background now have you kind of had to double down on what you do on behalf of the film off office just to keep this i all think afloat? that's where i was going yeah because i was hoping that you were going to give me good news like well the behind the scenes is this it's actually looking better well behind the scenes we've been you know, i thankfully you know most days I, I bemoan the fact that we have a very small staff at the film office sure, there's only yeah. three of us that work there full time right thankfully i only have three people that yeah. work at my office including myself so you know all that to-do list you have with all those administrative projects and cleaning up the location yes. files i mean we maintain photos uh we have over two hundred thousand photos in our digital library of southwestern pennsylvania and it's not your typical travel shots right you know i've got rural gas stations and bowling alleys and, you know, all kinds of stuff throughout all 10 counties. 
So we've been slowly but surely now have the time to go through and update all that. So when we're finally able to open again, our library is going to be really cleaned up and ready to go. All the mailing list, all that stuff, we've been able to keep that all moving. In the meantime, now it's starting to speed up a little bit because the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers came out with their work work rules that the unions had agreed to uh, and the guild, the Screen Actors Guild, Directors Guild. So now people are calling and going, okay, are you back open? Can we come back and work in Pittsburgh? And so we're still at the top of their mind, which is great. great. We're still one of the top ten locations they want to come and film. Um just nobody's here yet. Sure. But it's, uh, sure. we've been able to keep everything moving and sure. keep people thinking about Southwestern PA. So that's a good thing. Our right. incident rate, as I'm sure you know, is low. The right. COVID didn't really hit us, thankfully, thankfully. Uh, as badly as it did some other places. So they're looking at that as a selling point too. So we'll and, see what uh, happens. Are there other states or regions that are opening up that we're competing with where we might lose to? Or are we sort of right in the pack with everybody else right now? Well, no, no one is filming. Domestically, there's okay. no one filming in the United States right gotcha. now okay. at all. Um, gotcha. Georgia, which is killing all of us because they yes. have a 30% uncapped tax credit, yes. they announced yesterday they're going to reopen their film industry on Monday. Uh, okay. Now, or next week, I should say, to make sure you guys have that correctly. But Georgia's going to open up next week is their plan. And nobody's nobody said who's actually going to be the ones doing the filming. I think people are waiting around to see who's going to go first. I see. Uh, but domestically, no one's been shooting yet. They have been filming in Iceland, and that was Netflix that went to Iceland. And Iceland's unique because it's such a small country. It's a very small population. They have one airport, so they control who comes in and who mm. leaves. So they've set up a testing system, a 14-day quarantine system, a weekly crew testing system. Like They've got it dialed down, so basically they're really controlling who's in that environment. They started two weeks ago in Australia with the same sort of plan. Um, but, you know, the United States isn't really set up to do those kinds of things. Right, so they right. haven't quite gotten there yet. Well, and okay, so we, we get through the gloom and doom of it all because, listen, we could talk about how this has just hit everyone. So by no means did we want to be like, oh, tell us how sad this is. The good news is, <laughs> right? I mean, I hate okay. to sound like that, but the good news is you are so resilient. You have such a positive attitude. And I think that you and your staff have made Pittsburgh that place in which people want to come and film. Therefore, we are going to be in the forefront. And so we've asked you this question before. Is it just the fact and you've answered that Pittsburgh is so welcoming, but is it the fact that some of these folks who have been here and stayed here and filmed here are now telling other people that's a great place to go? Are you hearing that? Oh, absolutely. Our best sales people are the ones who've come before. Uh, we, we brought up Jason Momoa early on in this conversation. I think we, did, we should adopt him. Right. He, I didn't meet him. So back to people who think I have this amazing job. <laughs> um, you know, I should have been hanging out with Jason. That's how all that should have worked. Right. But, right. You know, he, he stood on the Sixth Street Bridge in the middle of the night with his cell phone and took Instagram story videos of of Pittsburgh and how beautiful it was. And he's standing there saying, Pittsburgh's amazing. Wow. And he's got millions of followers. Yeah. And then every time he was out and about in Pittsburgh, he was always promoing a local business he did a whole shoot with kelly's diner down in the surf district right because right. he ate there almost every single day um and he just loved his time here in pittsburgh and we had hoped because he did another show called c for apple um they were looking to move out of canada potentially 
So we had hoped that we were going to get them into Pittsburgh too. Then we could have kept Jason because right. he would have stayed here forever, but we didn't have enough film tax credits to keep all those really big shows, unfortunately. But no, they come, they love it and they love how friendly everyone is. They love the food. They love how they're able to not be bothered all the time, mm-hmm. right? You know, sometimes they get followed by paparazzi and things like that. That doesn't really happen here in Pittsburgh. Right. And people in Pittsburgh are nice. They're respectful. They want to, uh, they want to be able to say hello, but they're not going to bother people, right? Exactly. So it's a big selling point for us. And, you know, we make things easy. Here, if you're going to film downtown and you need to close the street, we're able to do that. Sure. If you're in New York, you can't really do that. Yeah. And some other big cities, Chicago, for example. So people really like being here, and uh, the film friendliness is always a huge selling point. And plus, the real, the other big reason they come is our experienced crew. We have some of the best crew in the country. They've been working here. You know, we credited all the Night of the Living Dead back to 1968, which sure. really started the commercial filmmaking. But we have experienced people that when they're not working here – They'll go work somewhere else because people travel them all over the world. They're that good. So we're really fortunate that we have such an amazing, talented crew base that lives here in the region. That's so refreshing Mm. to hear. I want to just ask one quick question because I'm trying to merge a couple of the conversations here. When you talked about the photo database and, you know, when people call here, do they call and say, we need a – you know, like a black and white police car. We need a white um, colored building that's flat on the front, round on the back. And, and you like you just go right to your database and search that. How do those calls come in when they say they're requesting a certain property or, or backdrop? Well, typically either we've called them or they've called us anymore. We get more incoming calls typically on my cell phone in the office, um, calling us saying, hey, A, do you have film tax credits available? Because without the incentive, they do okay. not come. Right. And then the second question will be about locations. And typically is, you know, I need a red house. It needs to have a blue barn. I need a purple dog in front of it. <laughs> and I'd like a bowling alley down the street. What do you have? And we'll go to the library and pull whatever we have that matches those descriptions. And if we don't have it, we then work with the tourist promotion agencies in all 10 counties. So we'll send an email out to Lawrence County and Beaver and Butler and all of them going, hey, do you have any purple barns? Do you have any green houses? What do you have? And because sometimes there's stuff we don't know about. So we're constantly adding to the library and we'll put an initial look. We'll put an initial library package together, a location package that gives them an idea of what's here. And then they'll say, okay, that works, but do you have any more bowling alleys? Do you have any more gas? Whatever you have, you know, okay. whatever they're looking for in more detail. And then they'll hire a location scout. And we have about 20 that work here locally that are um, full-time professionals. And they go out looking for the actual locations and put a more detailed package together. We use the library more as like the enticement, right? The sales I tool see. that get okay. them in here going – yeah, you need a rural town. I've got 50 of them. Which one do you want? You want an industrial space. Now, you brought up black and white police cars. We don't really do picture cars. That's what they're called. Oh, um, but okay. we put them in touch with people who do picture cars. And there's people who that's their profession. And they'll have a whole Rolodex full of Rolodex. You can tell how old I am. They'll have a computer <laughs> file somewhere. There is Excel spreadsheet somewhere that lists everybody who's got a police car or where they can get older police cars or whatever the period is they're looking for to film. So we have people that work in that area as well. And we're just the film office really acts as the one stop shop so uh-huh. that you can call and you can get the locations. You can find out who rents copy machines, furniture and who will deliver water every day to your set. Yeah. So we try oh. to make sure we have all updated information for everything. They of need. all these times we've talked, I don't think we ever yeah. knew that. Yeah. I mean, well, at least it's new to me. Well, so I can remember years ago when I was doing some 
some video shoots and this company would come to town and I always remember them. It was for the young and the restless is one of them. And they said, we, we were the town. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we were the ones who picked up the two that got hit by the police car. We were the paramedics, but I remember the fact. Is that, that why you asked about no, police cars? Cause no, you no, wanted to here's why, segue. <laughs> I remember Rachel lives in Ross township and I remember one guy who came from Seattle. He said, the only place in your area that still uses black and white police cars is Ross Township. So they would always call Ross Township to, to use their police cars. It was, you were known yeah, for I something. just remembered that story. So, all right. Well, Dawn. it's interesting. If you start <laughs> paying attention to some of the stuff you see when you see the police cars, since we're going to talk about those, um, <laughs> they'll change the checkerboard on their hats. So that's not exact match of uh, what Pittsburgh okay. has. How about okay. that? They'll tweak it a little bit because they're not doing licensing and all that. Yeah. Sometimes the city doesn't want it used. So they'll yeah. treat, create their own version of the Pittsburgh logo or their own Pittsburgh PD logo or whatever. And okay. they'll do the same thing on those cars. Okay. Because okay. um, they'll wrap them or paint them yeah. in a different way. That's really yeah. cool. That's the things crazy. you know, right? right? So listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are our anchor guest, which is like the top notch. I mean, that's how, that's how much you rank with us, right? So with our anchor guest, <laughs> with our anchor guest, we always do a quick rapid fire. Now we've been accused of not being good. Paul Wahlberg told us that we are not good at rapid fire. He's, you're too slow, but basically it's just a couple of questions for you. So favorite okay. movie moment here. And I know you've answered before, like who you wouldn't mind being with, but what was your favorite movie moment from all the years that you've been? here in Pittsburgh dealing with the, the film office and coordinating everything? Uh, my favorite was Jack Reacher and standing on the side of Mount Washington with Tom Cruise and having him sell me Pittsburgh. Wow. wow. All right. Microphone drop. Yeah. Done with the rapid fire. That was good. All right. If you could choose a set, any set in Pittsburgh, where would it be? Brownsville, Fayette County. It's the most amazing small town. It's the setting for I Am Not Okay With This, which aired season one on Netflix. We'll be back with season two, and they'll be going back to Brownsville. But if you haven't been to Brownsville, go. It's amazing, and the people wow. there are fantastic. There's That's a, a great answer. There's a castle there, right? Isn't there a castle there? There's a castle. There's an entire – it's a, like a Victorian business district. It has a okay. curve in their main street. Okay. It has two bridges that go in and out. It's so picturesque. It's so amazing, and it would be really great to have it become prosperous once again. Look at that. Uh, Pittsburgh leading man. You have answered this in a different capacity. I sound like a stalker, Don, but you <laughs> have told us before that you wouldn't mind being with Tom Cruise You because you've met him. You wouldn't mind um, Tom Hanks, but who would your Pittsburgh leading man be? You mean someone from Pittsburgh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to pick Michael Keaton. I, uh, I, he was great here at Desperate Measures. And he, please, he was Batman. So it's right. Right, right, right. Listen, I and he his kid, he went to the same grade school as my kids went to. We have yet to get him on this podcast, despite the fact I'm fairly certain that he is the first person to word, use the word jag off in a, movie, in a right? nationally known movie, yeah. which, of course, was Night Shift. So yeah. <laughs> how about that for a fun fact? <laughs> Did you write his agent? No, no, we would love to do that because God would I'll love to I'll send you his agent's contact because I think you should put a really compelling letter together and talk about the Jagoff quote and that your podcast and that you're on radio.com and well, you know, you can get a dress. Don, you're amazing. Please talk, he, Rachel, because I'm lightheaded. I know, he I'm is, lightheaded right he now. really is. I have to Please check his talk. pulse. Oh my <laughs> so God, that's awesome. my favorite Michael Keaton story. So when the Steelers were in the playoffs and it, I don't remember what year it was, but I was at the Sundance Film Festival, so it was... My son's 10. It, it's over 12 years ago. So whatever the last Super Bowl was 12 years ago, the closest one to that. 
um, Michael Keaton's people called me and said, I heard you're having a playoff party because I used to throw, like, in a bar. Everybody had to buy their own drinks. It wasn't much of a party, right? But we all watched the Steelers together um, in Sundance at the Park City, Utah. And he called and said, hey, I want to come, and I want to do a shout-out to Pittsburgh. So I was able to call KDK. I think it was KDK. It might have been WTAE. I don't remember which station. Uh, I called him and said, look, he wants to come and do the terrible twirl, terrible towel, and do, you know, do a shout-out to Pittsburgh. So they sent a camera crew, and we were able to get him to do that at Sundance, which is uh, I love awesome. it. Seriously, you silenced John Chamberlain. Wow. You well, you know, but – you know, we had a Michael Keaton day when he was here for Desperate Measures, which was the Andy Garcia, Michael Keaton film they did together here. Um, late Mayor Bob O'Connor was then president of city council, and he made it Michael Keaton Day in the city of Pittsburgh. I don't remember. So Michael How came, awesome. and they gave him, like, the key to the city or the plaque or whatever it is they give him. And then he told all the kids it was Michael Keaton Day, and they could all stay home from school. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I love wow. that. All right, one more rapid fire question. Go Why ahead. catch my breath? No, yeah. you oh, do you it. want me to do you it? Do okay. It. So tell us this. You always dress up well. I love what you choose for any of your red carpet, like you said, when we're ready for the Oscars. But what is your favorite dress down go to? My favorite dress down go to would have to be leggings and a t shirt. Yes. Isn't that the best? And that's all we've been living in for the last three months. <laughs> well, oh. I switched it up. I, I've got shorts on some days now that it's warmer. But, yes. Uh, yeah. That's yes. Funny. Okay. Yeah, fair no, enough. This, I'm never. I'm, I'm not going to have to buy new clothes for a really long time if we don't ever go back to work. I know. <laughs> I know. Don't even say that. Though. I have one more rapid fire question. Okay. What has been the craziest thing, kid, pet, whatever, that happened to you on a Zoom call during the pandemic? Anything crazy happened? Oh, nothing major. My dog came in. I, cause, you know, I read all the, I read all the information about how to look good on a Zoom call, right? <laughs> and what they talk about is you've got to have the computer above you, but yes. not way above you, like pointed more down towards your face, not up. So the best place I could figure out how to do that was put it on my bed, sit on my floor, and I've got a blue wall behind my head. So I thought it, you know, the whole color looks great. So I'm sitting on the floor and I was guest speaking at a local university class and my 90 pound golden retriever decided to join me, which then sort of knocks me over on the floor. <laughs> that is so funny. They'll certainly remember that. Yeah, it was it was quite the scene. That is I love it. Then they figured out I was actually wearing leggings with my silk blouse because, you know, I dressed <laughs> up. <laughs> Listen, Natalie Pensavanga does the same thing. We meet with her once a week just to go over some stuff that's going on. And she says, I might have lipstick and a nice shirt on, but you don't see my bottom. So <laughs> you're, you're fooling everyone. It's fine. It's fine. Uh. Until Dawn. you get caught with your dog knocking you over. That's it. That's it. Like Dawn, this is so much fun, and you're always so good to us, and we appreciate it. We definitely, as we start to get back into this, we need to bring you on site with us when we're all doing, you know, following. Or like we said, quarterly. Still, but quarterly, Let's talk about what's sure, going right? on. So we need to Look, set I'm, that I'm happy to do it. I'm always happy to talk to you guys. You're making a lot of fun, and uh, I think you're doing great stuff. So yeah, happy, yeah. happy to help however I can. We love it. Where does everybody follow you? Facebook, Instagram, and shout out to the website, of course, for the uh, film office. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Where are we following you, though, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? What are you on? Oh, me personally, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on, it's Don Keezer. So I, I'm easy to find. <laughs> I didn't get creative with it. <laughs> hey, that makes life You're not easier. Dawn Kitty number seven oh, or God. something like Underscore. that. Underscore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. there's not a lot of other Don Keezers, so it's hard to uh, There you go. Out. Um, the only other question we have is our coveted question of the day, which I'm sure you remember. The question of the day is, obviously, it is summertime. Obviously, we are still amidst the COVID-19. Even though it's a COVID-19 summer, what still screams summer in Pittsburgh for you? And and I can tell you, we've read a couple of our comments on our, uh, we ask a question of the day on Facebook. 
And some people are saying, like, the fact that the Pirates still suck, even though, like, they're not even playing. We've gotten Gus and Yaya's. We've gotten, you know, just the fact that the sun is shining in Mount Washington. What is your favorite, Dawn? Oh, mine is the fact you can open your door in the morning and it's warm outside. That's it. It's, yeah. uh, and you can hear the birds singing. Like, you know, you open the door, you go, because I have dogs, right? So the first thing I do is open the door. And it's, oh, it's summer. It's beautiful out. So that's that's my, oh, Good answer. this is great. And, so true. And I think we appreciate it more in Pittsburgh because uh, it's uh, so fleeting. Dawn, thank you so much for coming on once again. Absolutely. Well, now we get to hear a little bit more of the Welming Waters, a single from Andy yeah, I can, I can hear John a little bit better than I can hear you, Rachel, but that's okay. Sean, I'm quiet. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. I've known you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He's one of the only people that, other than my brother that can say that. Listen, to be we don't know, but we've already started the recording, and we're going to tell everybody who this is because we're keeping that part in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Whatever. So, listen, this is one of those things. John and I tell our guests so often, we have what we call the Yajagoff bullpen. And we put people in there and say, these would be great guests to have. And quite honestly, you and your crew have been too busy to really come on whenever we are out and about doing our podcasts at events. And so we trapped you because here we are in the pandemic and we're like, you have to be on. Sean Pierce from Pierce Events. Here you are. Finally, thank you. So did you guys erase this pandemic just so I could be on? Yes. <laughs> yes. I've already told John you're a narcissist and you would think that. <laughs> oh, dude, listen, I have followed you. I know how you feel about this pandemic. I, you know, it's frustrating. I think everybody is ready to kind of figure out what the new normal is. Um, but specifically, and, and you know, Sean, it almost makes sense to have you on at this point because you could come on at any time and tell us about the unique events from, you know, open openings that you've done to events that you've completely produced, you know, through weekends. And it's not just Pittsburgh. Um, but now it's almost like now, what the hell do you do? What is the turning point? How do you pivot from this as a, as a company like yours, that's production and event driven? Right. And the word you just used pivot, I've been hearing a lot, you know, yeah. cause we, cause we talk to other people in the event industry and try to figure out, all right, what, you know, how do you pivot and what does that even mean? And, of course, right out of the gate, a lot of the talk was virtual events, you know, just sure. doing stuff online. And a lot of people are doing that. Um, and, you know, that's always been an element of what we do because, you know, we do events across the country, and obviously not everyone can uh, attend every event. So there has been times where, you know, you could, you could watch on Facebook or a video feed and, and participate. Um, but that's always been a part of what we do, not what we do. And one of the conversations that we've had internally is not just what we do, but why we do it. So for us, that actual connection, a face-to-face connection, uh, is is a vital part of it. So, yeah, a lot of people are kind of pivoting towards vi- uh, virtual events, and that's fine in the short term. Um, but I think long term, we we do need to get back to those connections face-to-face. I can't see a world where we have to stand six feet apart and wear a mask. And, you know, we need that, that, that human connection. And I, I, an example I, used to, I like to use is if you've ever watched, like, a concert on TV and then been to a concert, there's the difference, you know? Yeah, right. Yep. You, you've got a great view when you get what's going on, but it's not that feeling you get when you're sharing that experience with other people. So I, 
hopefully we'll be able to get back to that sooner uh, than later. But, um, you know, I haven't completely given up on, uh, you know, we're never going to get back to, to that ever again. Sure. We've had so many performers, you know, Clinton Clegg, comedians, whatever, and they all say, look, I spent my entire life gathering people together that's yeah. my whole and and now I'm, we're not allowed to gather people so like you're saying you're rethinking now sean let's go backwards for a second because rachel knows you so well but how did pierce events start were you just like a good birthday party planner graduation party <laughs> planner back in when you were five and now that's like, it. i had a roll of crate paper and a couple of <laughs> <and, laughs> what, what is the history of pierce events and how did you get so well known in the industry well, you know, I've been doing events for over 30 years. I hate to admit that. Um, now, our company has only been around for 12 years, but I've been very fortunate to be involved in a lot of a lot of Pittsburgh events that people would know. You know, the regatta party at the point, uh, first night, all that stuff. Um, and I've really been fortunate to work with some very talented and creative people. And I've I've basically stolen from them. I've, I, I've just I, I've learned uh, along the way, and like I said, 12 years ago, we set out with this company, hoping that we could do some events. Uh, and you always kind of have this pipe dream in the back of your head, but yeah, I'd love to be doing national events all over the country. Um, and that that you know, we worked our, our tail off and earned the trust of some great clients uh, who are now friends. Um, and they've kind of made that, that dream come true. They've, they've put a lot of trust in our company, and we've been tra- I think we've done events now in 43 states, you know, and wow. just based out of our, our little home base here in Pittsburgh. Uh, so it, 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 it's really been a, a blessing and, and very fortunate for us. Wow, and that's a fun fact that I didn't know about Pierce events. That's quite the – so what, what are the others that we have to get you into? Where are we, where are we road tripping where you can take the Ajaga podcast and visit the other oh. states? <laughs> I have not. Well, I've been to Hawaii, but I've never done an event in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, Alaska, some of the you know uh, northwest states, uh, Maine, uh, you know, a couple other places. But uh, yeah, so there there's some places on the list. But uh, you know, I it, again that that's one of the parts that I really like because I get to work with people from all different walks of life all over the country. I get to go places that I never would have gone on my own. Uh, and see and do and experience things. Um, so, you know, that, that's obviously an added bonus for, uh, uh, for what we do. Sean, what is sort of, how do you stay ahead of the game? You know, everybody knows pipe and drape type shows. We know that fireworks, you know, pyrotechnics. We know that lasers and all these kind of things. Where does someone like you go for the industry to see what's coming five years later to help beef up a, a standard pipe and drape show? Well, before the pandemic, we used to have, you know, industry and trade shows. Uh, we've been out to Las Vegas and uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami and a couple other places. So we would attend those shows where there's, you know, there's 500 different companies all kind of showing you um, what, what they have to offer. And it's everything from lighting design. You know, years ago, lighting was, was a major undertaking where you had to have an electrician. And now with the, you know, the, with LED lights and, uh, projection mapping and all that stuff, it, it changes drastically. So, but, you know, even if we don't attend those shows, uh, I'm constantly getting updates on new technology, new offerings. I talk to other people. Sometimes I'll just have a client say, this is the idea. How do we do this? You know, and then it's up to our team to kind of figure out, all right, is it possible? And, and how do we pull this off? So we're constantly educating ourselves and, um, and looking for those new, new offerings that, that we can bring to our clients and, you know, 
kind of wow audiences. And if you were basically selling yourself and someone said, hey, I need to utilize your company for these efforts, what would you, you know, quickly describe that the Pierce Events does most effectively? You know, hey, we do this for these people on a regular basis. Because you you actually have opened plenty of movie theater openings, right? Isn't that, hasn't that sort of been your sweet spot? We have, yes. Years ago, uh, you're probably familiar with the Cinemark Movie Theater in Robinson. Yes. Um, we, we had just launched the company, and they were opening that theater, and uh, I reached out to that company. They were headquartered down in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, and they basically told us no. You know, we were a brand-new company, and they had not used an event planner before. Um, and I just told them, give me three things you need. I'll come back with a price, and then, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. If you don't like it, I'll never bother you again. Well, fortunately, those three things turned into six things and turned into 12 things. Um, and we opened up that theater. It was the first event we did with them. Um, and then, you know, they have theaters all across the country and, and even globally. Um, so we just over the years, we've earned their trust and it has not been easy. I mean, their, their second event that they opened, uh, or second building they opened after the Robinson one was down in Oklahoma. Um, and you know, we obviously wanted the business, but we drove all the way down there because they weren't going to pay us to fly. And, you know, I don't, I don't even think we made any money on that one, but again, it's the things you have to do is starting up a, you know, a, a brand new business to earn that trust and prove you can uh, you can do that job. So that's been a great relationship uh, for us because we've earned their trust and uh, we've traveled all over the country opening movie theaters for them. And, and you know, we do the red carpet events and the VIP nights and, and, and all that fun stuff. But uh, And there's an element, too, we also, you know, bring that community together because it's not just – it's not just the movie theater. Cinemark is great in supporting schools and whatever community they, they go into. Um, so, you know, we enjoy uh, incorporating that element of it as well. So, Sean, the Yajagov podcast is a small to medium-sized business. We know a little bit about marketing. Let's say we call Sean. I hope we Sean, know a little more than a little we, bit. We call Sean failing. and we say, Sean, we are going to do yeah. a live Yajagov podcast down at the riverfront or oh, Point okay. Park. Mm-hmm. What are the elements? What do you, and, and we have a we have a... A budget that's unending. What are the specialties you're going to bring for us? Are we going to write you jag off up in the sky? What are we going to do for if we do that podcast? What kind of things can you well, bring to us? I've never heard the words, we have a budget that is unending. Unending. <laughs> so, I am happy to talk to you, John, after, after the podcast. Rachel just punched uh, me in the face. I know. I'm like, you what know, is he saying? Really, each event, we don't do what I call cookie-cutter events. I love um, that. You know, there Same. are some uh, common elements. You know, you've got to have a venue. You've got to have a purpose. Uh, you know, a lot of times you need to have food and beverage and, and things like that. But really, each client needs is going to be different. And until I sit down and talk to you, what is your goal? What do you want to come out of this? What message are you presenting? What image do you want to present? Those are all the things we sit down and, you know, then we kind of figure out, okay, how do we best make that happen and, and, and take that off of paper and put it into reality. So we've done everything from beginning to end uh, of major events to sometimes we're called in to manage uh, events that have already existed for years or provide, you know, certain specific elements, be it staging or lighting or entertainment or, or things like that. So it really, it really varies depending on obviously budget. That is one thing. Uh, but also the, uh, the client's needs. And, you know, we take great strides to kind of understand what, uh, 
what the goal is and what the marketing message is and, and how we can best achieve that. Would you ever recommend that we had a dog barking at the event? Would you ever <laughs> recommend that? Because that just happened right now. That always happens. That's the, <laughs> no, the beauty of the I people love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that... That's uh, the mascot, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. Tanner the podcast dog. But, you know, and I was obviously joking about the unlimited budget, but I think the key thing is, is that you are not just about, you know, you don't have to be a big company. If I'm a small Pittsburgh-based company that's opening up my first or second pizza shop or or want to do something big about some new service I have, I can call you to do that, right? Yes, absolutely. We do we do corporate events, but we also do social events and nonprofit events. Um, so yeah, you know, we 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 try to custom fit everything for for everyone. And I, you know, a lot of people don't believe that um, you know we're doing national events, but we'll also do your your bar mitzvah, your wedding, or, or things like that. But, yeah, that's really where we started out. You've got to start off with the small events. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of the stuff that uh, that we do in, in Pittsburgh. But, uh, um, yeah, you're, you know, we're, we're out there for, for big companies as well as uh, um, private events. And really what we do is if there is a milestone or some celebration in life, we love to be part of it. Whether that's opening a brand new office building or whether that is, you know, your, your wedding or your anniversary or, or things like that. So that's kind of where we started off and, uh, that, that's still our goal today. If people are going to trust us enough to be there at those, those milestones and those celebrations and create those memories, that's really why, why we exist and why we do what we do. I was just telling John that Willie, my husband and I were watching the, um, on Netflix, they did the fire festival. If you remember that, what, what was the biggest disaster, yes, of, know. you know, three years ago. And, you know, you go, Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember what they were doing, you know, Ja Rule and, and this, this young entrepreneur as I'm watching it. And obviously we're not event planners, but events tend to fall into what, you know, we do. Um, I'm watching it going, Oh my gosh, what a disaster. Have you sort of looked, I mean, first of all, you have to watch it because you literally, your heart races thinking that these people were even going into these conditions, you know, with zero organizational skills, but have, oh, what I is, watched it. Uh, did you? And were you, I mean, Sean, I, I felt like I was going to throw up. I was like, no, you didn't wait. Why didn't you do this? You know? Um, but what, what experience have you had? I hate the cliche question. What was your best experience? What was your worst? But really in this industry, you've got to have a, a scroll of stories. Do you have something that you would say certainly wasn't quite the fire festival, but Hey, I learned from this and I certainly won't do that again. Kind of thing. Oh, sure. Every event, you know, yeah. we've had weather issues where you plan something for six months. It's outdoors and there's a tornado warning or something. Um, right. We've had instances where, we're opening up a new building and, you know, the, the, the health inspector hasn't issued a food permit. So all of a sudden you've got 400 people arriving tonight and you can't serve food because you can't, you know, you don't have that permit or there was some red tape that didn't get done in time. So yeah, there, there's always those challenges. You know, the, the fire festival that you mentioned, that was, you know, that was everything times 10. Right. Um, and one of the things that frustrated me about that is they actually did bring in some people that should have known better yes, um, and should have stopped it. It never should have got to that point. If no. there is a danger, if there is an element where you're not going to be able to take care of your, uh, your, your guests, your attendees, and have a, a, a safe environment for them, then you have to stop that immediately. Right. And right. unfortunately, that, that was never done, and it became the fiasco that it is. But, 
yeah, that's a uh, that's a legendary story, and there's a lot of people that were featured in that that uh, you know um, should not even be involved in in events. <laughs> That's, ex- I mean, I literally was watching it like, oh my goodness. And as they continued, you know, for people, listen, we're giving a, a spot to Netflix right now and just letting people know that's something that they should spend in an hour and a half watching because it does certainly make your heart flutter thinking that that would happen. But as they were even bringing the professionals in, their hands were tied at that point. So it was kind of like, oh my gosh, is, is no one going to make this better? You know? And I think, like you said, you're tasked with always thinking every part through and, uh, and I think that's why you guys have been successful. So 12 years in, and once you've pivoted, what does this summer look like? Are you guys really no hope for this summer, but what does fall look like? Where can we see Pierce events anytime soon? Um, so, you know, the, the short answer is I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of encouraging signs. Uh, I'm talking to clients, as, you know, and there's other factors, too. As a matter of fact, this week we were supposed to be in uh, Seattle, Washington, doing an event, and, of course, with the – the civil unrest going on, there's another element that you have to kind of take right. into consideration. Sure. Um, so there's there's a lot of factors. It changes every day. We do our best to keep up with it. You know, what what can we employ that will mitigate, you know, any risks, things like that. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think – I think anyone that tells you they have the answer – uh, it's either crazy or lying to you right now. Yeah. So true. Listen, Sean, let's get off topic for one second. Oh, Listen, no. I know you're tight with the Rennebeck family and whatever. So the hunts. He knows some, the hunts better. What's some good back? What's a good kind of story we don't know about Rachel Rennebeck that you could tell us? Sean. About Rachel. Have you heard Rachel sing? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as a matter of fact. I knew you were. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Go ahead, Sean. Let she should be headlining shows all over Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> but she does the podcast. And, you know, she, she doesn't like the spotlight all that much. <laughs> Listen, I I had a feeling that he would ask you like a personal something, so I'm I'm gonna put put this on you, okay? Do you remember Conyot in 1999, maybe 2000? And my dad was playing at the um, I guess it was American Pie, and. I decided to just start singing I'm Always Chasing Rainbows in the Middle of the Place. Do you remember that? Just, I do remember okay, that. Okay, yeah. I figured. I figured you would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's a good fun yeah. fact. And out was never the same after that. Never. <laughs> right. No. They have they have a they have a, a a pillar up there with her name on it somewhere, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Can you give us a hey you jag off in a in a, in Chicago, a Chicago accent? accent? Yeah, that's a good one. Can you do it, Sean? In a Chicago accent, huh? Sean! Yeah! <laughs> Chicago accent. So, I guess you'd be talking like a Yinzer saying you jag off. Yeah! With... <laughs> Nicely done. How about this? You jag off, you don't put ketchup on a Chicago dog. Now this is getting And there you have it. Another episode of the Jag Off Podcast. Another episode that includes Tanner the dog. I think he has this issue where he has to be in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to do. He I'm like sorry. makes barking cameos, I guess we he call He loves them. it. He loves right. it. Anyway, what a podcast. Once again, we're so fortunate that we've really been able to take the time to talk to these people. Thanks to Dawn Keezer. It's, <laughs> she never disappoints. And you had a good time talking to my friend Sean, right? Yes. He does a pretty good fake Chicago accent, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> not fake at all. Right. Right. And as John said, thank you to our friends, the Whelming Waters. Kudos to them for another amazing LP. And we love the song that we've been hearing throughout the podcast. And of course, thanks to Randy Marchese 
Zach from Washington County. Make sure you follow them because, and thanks to Bob Batts for even bringing them to light. We saw in the Post Gazette. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, Rorick Honda. And when your son's first car craps the bed and you need a reliable do-over first car, Rorick Honda comes to the rescue. I experienced firsthand the elite customer service and a detailed sanitized Civic with the Rorick Advantage. And voila, I now have a happy 17-year-old. And this is a typical story at Rorick Honda. Whether it's a new or used car, a leased or payment planned option, there is something for every one of you. So, as always, make sure you visit Rorick.com for every one of your vehicle needs.